Welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny. I'm the lead pastor here at Swerve, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in and listening to this week's sermon. I pray and hope that it is a huge encouragement and a help to you in your walk with Christ. Swerve is one church in two locations, and you're invited to join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. at 239 Stanhope Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn, or Sundays at 12 p.m. at 407 Wilson Avenue in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I pray that this message is a huge encouragement to you. Today we're wrapping up our series, Lead Like Jesus. We looked at the heart of a leader and mentioned that what takes a priority in our hearts is our relationship with God. Like Jesus taught, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added onto you. We spoke about the head of a leader, and and we mentioned some of the things that occupy the thoughts of a leader, right? We mentioned that our thoughts are focused on our purpose, and our purpose has, has nothing to do with our own personal goals and desires, but a lead like Jesus leader understands that our purpose is connected to living for the glory of God. Last week, we spoke about the hands of a leader. We mentioned that the hands of a leader serves others, collaborates and empowers others to lead and takes action. We understand that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So we're going to be an answer to the prayer of workers entering the harvest and taking action to harvest people towards the kingdom of God. Today, we're talking about the habits of a leader. Habits are rhythms that we have in place which help form what we do and and how we react and essentially form who we are. And not all habits are created equal. There's both good and bad habits. For example, hopefully you all have the great habit of brushing your teeth at least twice a day, as recommended by dentists, right? That's a great habit to have in place. But maybe you have some bad habits. For example, some of us have the bad habit of arriving late everywhere we go, whether that's school or work or a doctor's appointment. It doesn't matter because that's just a habit that you have established. It's your rhythm and it's how you live your life. Some of us have the great habit of reading a few books a a year at least. Uh, They say leaders are learners or maybe you've heard the saying leaders are readers. So that's a, a great habit to have under your belt. Some of us have this bad habit I think that on occasion we can all be guilty of this, the bad habit of too much screen time. We get stuck chasing a rabbit trail of cat videos on YouTube or stuck probing social media at what coffee our friends ordered this morning or or, or binging shows on Netflix. And before you know it, several hours have passed by and you weren't the least bit productive. Habits are the rhythms that we have in place which help form what we do and how we react and help form who we are. Our habits help shape the direction we head in life. Which leads me to ask the question, what were the habits of Jesus like? And how did his habits help shape his leadership? As you guys know, I believe that you are all leaders. And as such, we want to look at the life of Jesus, one of the most effective leaders of all time. And we want to look into God's word to see how we can also be the leaders God has called us to be. So for today, as we wrap up our series, I have four big ideas in regards to the habits of a leader. To lead like Jesus, number one, we must develop spiritual habits. What do your current spiritual habits look like? In other words, what are the rhythms you have in place to help you draw closer to God and be more Christ-like in your walk? Have you ever been given, have you ever given this much thought? The Bible shares with us several ways that we can grow in our walk with Christ. 
There's certain habits that we can implement into our lives that can help us thrive as leaders and help us grow as followers of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list, okay? But I do want to give you at least one key habit that every leader and every follower of Christ should have implemented into their life. And to do this, we're going to look at the life and the leadership of Jesus. What were the spiritual habits that Jesus had in place during his ministry? It doesn't take too deep of a look into the Gospels to see what some of these key habits were. One of them can be found in Matthew chapter 14. Look at what it says. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Jesus had a booming ministry. He was always teaching and healing the sick, the diseased, and the oppressed. And as a result, he was always surrounded by crowds and crowds of people. There was always something to do. There was always more people that needed help. There was always more ears that needed to hear of the coming kingdom of God. But yet over and over again throughout the ministry of Jesus, we read about uh, the time that he would prioritize getting alone with the Father through prayer. He dismissed the crowds, he dismissed the disciples, and he would spend time alone communicating with God. And guys, to me, this is one of the great mysteries of the Bible and of God in general. Why do we need to pray? Why does God want us to pray? Why does, why, why does it do something to build intimacy and relationship with God? I don't know. But what I do know is that it does. And God longs to hear us communicate to Him. He knows our hearts and minds, yet He still desires that we bring our cares and concerns before Him. And I know that it builds intimacy with Him. That in those moments of prayer, our dependence on God grows, our faith grows, and as such, our walk with Christ goes accordingly. Is this something that you prioritize in your life and leadership? Because it certainly was a priority in the life of Jesus. And Jesus was God in flesh. How much more of a priority should it be in our lives? By the way, guys, Melissa and I open the church every Monday morning for prayer. And if this helps encourage you to grow in your prayer life and leadership, then you're welcome to join us. There's no agenda. There's no schedule. We're just here for one hour praying. I don't know if you've ever heard this quote before, and I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure who said it. And I'm not even sure if this is the exact quote, but it's pretty close. Don't become so obsessed with the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. One of the ways we can do this is through prayer. Prayer is a sign of utter dependence on God. It acknowledges that we are incapable of doing anything, much less lead at the capacity that God wants us to without His power and direction. I could list many more spiritual habits like reading the scriptures daily or utilizing your God-given gifts and talents for God's glory and the advancement of His mission. But for the sake of time, we'll begin with this habit right here. Do you have a rhythm of prayer? Is this a spiritual habit that you have in place? If not, begin to carve out time in your schedule to pray. All right, to lead like Jesus, number two, we must develop physical habits. One of the things you probably don't consider is the physical condition of Jesus. And while we don't have an incredible amount of detail about this, we can gather a good amount of clues to help us determine that he was probably at the very least healthy and at the very most in good physical shape. For example, I don't know if you knew this, but when Jesus walked the earth, there weren't any Teslas. Uber didn't exist yet. What that meant for Jesus was that every town he went to, every journey he went on, every teaching, every miracle, every home visit was all on foot. Jesus walked everywhere he went. And he had to be in pretty good shape to do all that walking and to have a thriving ministry like he did. Not to mention the amount of physical exertion that underwent in his crucifixion, right? To endure the beatings he did and to carry his own wood up Calvary. 
He was probably in good shape. At the very least, I think it's safe to say he was healthy. So to be a lead like Jesus leader, we must develop healthy physical habits. This is the idea that was presented by Paul in 1 Corinthians. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. Did you ever consider your body to be the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is a vessel that the Holy Spirit dwells in. And as such, you want to take care of that vessel. So Paul encourages us to glorify God with our bodies. Uh, By the way, if we can glorify God with our bodies, that means we can also dishonor God with our bodies. But if we want to lead like Jesus, we're going to develop healthy physical habits. Now listen, you guys are smart. I don't think I have to give you an exhaustive list here. In any ways, we have a few people in our church that are more than capable in helping you in this particular area, and I'm 1,000% sure that they would love to help and serve their church family at this capacity. But here's some things to consider, okay? Do you exercise regularly? You don't have to zoom up. You don't want to, okay? But the vast majority of Jesus' cardio was walking. Maybe consider walking an hour or so a day or a few days a week for a start. Do you watch what you eat? I'm not talking about watching what you eat as you put it in your mouth, okay? I mean being mindful of what you eat and how much you eat. I'm going to give you a tip I learned a few years ago that helped me lose almost 100 pounds. It's all about the calories. If you eat more calories than you burn, you will not be able to lose the weight you want to lose and be healthy. Do you rest? Do you have a day off? Do you sleep at least 7 to 9 hours a day? Well, guess what? God designed your body to turn off and recharge daily, and He gives us the gift of Sabbath to rest weekly. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to have a long life of meaningful ministry to my King. And in order for that to happen, we have to prioritize developing physical habits. Okay, to lead like Jesus, number three, we must create space for healthy relationships. Jesus would often withdraw to pray and commune with the Father, but He never did life or leadership in isolation. He had a group of friends and a community around him during his ministry. It was within this community that we saw implemented some of the other ideas we mentioned during our series, right? Things like collaboration and empowering others to lead. But Jesus was never alone. We live in a city that is surrounded with so many people, yet so many people choose to live in isolation. New York City is an island full of a bunch of people living on their own islands. There's an urge within us to want to withdraw or maybe to not be fully known within the context of community. Or how about this? Some of us have a proclivity to cling to toxic relationships, to hang with people who are no good for you, that will not positively impact your life, that will not draw you closer to Jesus. But to lead like Jesus, we must refuse to do life in isolation. Because just like we mentioned with rest, we were never designed by God to do life in isolation. We were designed for a community. So to lead like Jesus, we must participate in and surround ourselves with healthy relationships. Look at how the author of Hebrews puts it. And let us consider one another to, in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The greatest resource God has provided for us through Jesus is the local church. It's your local church family. Not because everyone is perfect, not because everyone has, got, has it all figured out. In fact, some of you are kind of nutty, okay? But, but because we've all got our eyes on the same target, and it's Jesus. So we can encourage one another and call out the leadership potential in one another to lead like Jesus for the glory of God 
and the expansion of his kingdom. But the author of Hebrews says that some people have a habit, and it's not a good one. The author says, some of you are in the habit of neglecting getting together. He's like, you're missing out on life group. You're not worshiping together regularly on Sunday with your church family. You're not serving alongside of others, and it's neglect. But if we're going to lead like Jesus, then we're going to build a habit of being surrounded with healthy relationships. We're going to be involved in our church community. We're going to make a priority around gathering with our church family. If that means having to change the work schedule around or shifting the time of the flight for vacation or missing out on that late night birthday party, then we'll do it because we're going to lead like Jesus and we're going to create space for healthy relationships. Last point for today. To lead like Jesus, we must be, number four, grounded in the gospel. The last habit we're going to bring up today is one of constantly reminding ourselves of the gospel, of immersing ourselves in the good news of Jesus. Because here's the thing, the good news isn't just for people who don't know Jesus. The gospel isn't just for new Christians. No, the the gospel is our lifeline. It is our foundation. It's the bedrock our faith is built upon. You know, every week we participate in communion because Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him. And he knew what hopefully you all are willing to admit today, and that is that we all too often forget the gospel. I mean, we might know it really well. Like maybe you you know how to recite it. You probably even know a few verses that point us to the gospel. But in your life, in your thoughts, maybe even in your heart, you forget it. And we, we know we forget it because the gospel does not remain a priority in our lives. But when it comes to the habits of a lead like Jesus leader, this has to be found a foundational truth deeply rooted into our lives. It is absolutely important. And Jesus would confirm this when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? In other words, he is the way. He's the path to heaven, eternity, and forgiveness of sin. He is the truth. In a world of lies, of made-up ideologies and beliefs, he is the unchanging truth. He is the life. In a world where people are attempting to find purpose and fulfillment and things that ultimately lead to death, he ultimately leads to a fulfilling life now and in eternity to come. And this is the point that Paul makes in his letter to the Colossians. You find it in Colossians chapter 2. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him, being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Paul's admonition to us is after we receive Jesus to continue to walk in Him. It's not one and done. We don't say a cute little prayer and then go back to our lives as business as usual. We continue to walk in Christ. He said that we are being rooted and built up in Him. The idea of being rooted brings the picture of the roots of a tree below the surface that continue to grow deeper and deeper into the earth, making it stronger to withstand the storms and the winds. The idea of being built up is the ongoing continual construction of our lives with Jesus the architect, and the gospel is the scaffolding that supports, upholds, and protects us. It's an ongoing building project that doesn't end when Christ returns, or he calls us home. So for us leaders, we must continuously be grounded in the gospel. We must remind ourselves of the gospel. We must filter our lives, our thoughts, our words, our leadership through the gospel. And we do so, as Paul said, from a place of overflowing gratitude for the gospel. And why is that? It's because the gospel is good news. The gospel is the good news that while we were dead in our sin, Christ died for us. His death was the sacrifice to satisfy the punishment we owed. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus picked up the bill. On the cross, His blood shed, His body broken as a picture of the ugliness and the severity of our sin. 
But three days later, as prophesied in the Old Testament and in the words of Jesus himself, Jesus conquered Satan's sin and death, rising from the grave, so that all who would look to Jesus and the cross would not be a symbol of defeat, but a symbol of victory. The good news of the gospel is that because Jesus is alive, we can be made alive. We are a new creation. Our sins are forgiven. We are welcomed into the family of God. And it's not because of anything we can do, but because of what Jesus did. And if you're here today and you want to experience this good news, all you have to do is say yes to Jesus, surrender to Jesus, repent of your sin, acknowledge your need for a Savior, and acknowledge that only Jesus is able to save. The Bible promises that all who put their faith in Him will experience forgiveness of sin, new life, and our eternities will be secure. You have an opportunity to do so today. Let's pray. God, would you help us to see ourselves as leaders and step into the leadership responsibilities that you have called us to? Help us prioritize our spiritual health through making priority of reading your word and prayer. God, we pray for our bodies that you would help us to view it as the temple of the Holy Spirit, to be stewarded for your kingdom and your glory. Lord, help us reject isolation and pursue community. And thank you for Jesus. Help us to continue to be rooted, built up, and established in the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.